oh, hey, I didn't see you there. I just wanted to do that. We have this new stool. It's awesome. You can just, this is incredible. So my name is Chris, and I'm the marriage and family pastor here. How long can I keep doing this? Yeah, so that is awesome. I want one for myself. <laughs> uh, my name is Chris. Somebody came in and they said, uh, you're so much better with children than you are with adults. And I guess that just proves it right there. I just, I don't know. My wife says the same thing. Uh, I'm the marriage and family pastor here. It's great to see everybody today. And as Dr. Ray said, uh, we're, gonna, we're wrapping up the series, uh, The Life You Were Meant to Live. And, uh, and I'm excited about what I think God has given me to share with us uh, today. Uh, if you remember, Dr. Ray started back on Easter Sunday, and we kind of took a, like a 3D look at Easter, and we said, there's this life that God has for us. It's a life that's better than the good life and all the trappings of the good life that, that we get so excited about sometimes, and we kind of promote in South Florida, there's, there's something better. There's something that's more impactful. There's something uh, that's, that's more joyful. And then last week, if you remember, Dr. Ray said, there's one thing, though. If, if, if we're not careful, there's one thing, there's one attitude that can sabotage the whole thing. Whatever God wants to do in our lives, there's, there's one attitude that if we're not careful, it will erode away at our heart and our mind and our ability to really experience the life uh, that God has for each one of us, the life that you and I were meant to live. And I want to ask you what it is, because every time we ask, like nobody remembers, it's envy. Envy is, I'll just give you the answer, it's envy. Yeah, 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 one person knows. Yeah, envy, envy gets in the way. It, it, when we start comparing each other to, to other people, we, we want things that we don't have, uh, that's envy, and it can mess us up. Well, today we're going to take another look, a last look, at the life that you and I uh, were, were meant to live. Uh, before we do that, I want to tell you a story. Uh, I'll take you back a few years. 1987 was the year, and uh, I was a college student, and a summer was, was coming up, and uh, I, had, I had some friends who were part of this, this company, and they went around uh, every summer. They went across the country teaching band camps, and I was, of course, in marching band. It's, hard, it's really hard to convey just how cool I was. It really, it really, I, I try, but I always fail. And so uh, marching band, boop, boop, and uh, they, so they traveled, they would travel the, the country uh, every summer with this company, and they would go to like eight different places, eight different cities. They made great money teaching these band camps all over the country. Awesome. And so some of my friends were saying, Chris, you really need to do this. This would be so great. You really need to go out for this. The problem was it was very competitive. I mean, it was like, there was like hundreds of applicants for about 20 spots every summer. When people got a job with this company, they didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay through their college career and, uh, and just keep doing it because it was such a great experience. A bunch of college kids in a van just going from city to city to city. I mean, just teaching the best students, having a great summer. So I, I bought in. I said, okay, well, let's, let's do it. I'll, I'll try. So I, I sent my resume in. I did all the stuff I was supposed to do, it was, you know, weeks and weeks. Uh, my friends gave me some references who already worked with, with this company. I sent in like videos, like videotapes of me teaching. For those of you who are kind of young, videotapes is like a box. And there's a tape in it. And you put it in this big, bigger box, and it makes pictures. So that's what we call it. That was a VHS. So I had a few of those of me like teaching, and I, I put that in. So about three weeks before like the people leave the company, they load up their vans and they have people all over the country and they go to different regions and all that. I get a call and it's a phone call from the president of this organization. He says, Chris, I just wanted to call you personally and let you know 
uh, that, that, that you've got a job with us this summer. We are so excited about you being on staff and being part of the teaching faculty and all that. And just, you know, and he just went on and on and on. And, and, and finally, I got to my, my chance to, to respond. And, and this is what I said. Are, are you ready for this? This is what I said to him. I said, thanks, but no thanks. Oh, bad decision. Bad call. I blew it. You know why I blew it? Let me just tell you. I was dating this girl. <laughs> she applied for a job as well, and she had just gotten her letter the day before saying that she didn't get in. She, wasn't, she didn't get a job with the company. And I thought, well, I'd rather spend the summer with her than drive around doing that. Now, I can share that story. Bad move, bad choice. We broke up anyway, right? I mean, bad call. I can share that because I know I'm not the only guy in this room who's ever made a dumb decision because of a girl, right? Because she looked good, right? That's, yeah, yeah, guys. So I missed it. I blew it. And the question I have for this morning as we talk about the life that you and I were meant to live is, is, is it possible to respond to God in such a way that we blow it, that we miss it, that somehow whatever this life is, this, this life that's better than the good life, that somehow you and I can say to God in, in no uncertain terms, no thanks, no thanks. My hunch is that, that many of us do that without even realizing that. We, we, we just miss out on this life that God has. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the right response. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a couple passages from the Apostle Paul, and uh, it's going to bring some clarity to this question of, okay, what's the response that God is, is yearning for? What's the response? What's the right response that we can have with God that he's just hoping, hoping, hoping that we'll say so that we don't miss out on the life he has uh, for us. So we're going to look at a couple passages from Paul written to early church, like first century church, uh, folks just like us who we, we want to live the best life, right? Who here does not want to live the best life possible? Exactly, right? And so we're just like them. And they were early in this journey of faith. And so Paul is writing and he's saying, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. So he writes uh, a letter to a church in Ephesus. He writes a letter to a church in Rome. And in it, I think we find some clues for us today about the response God is hoping we'll have. Well, the first thing we're going to read is, um, I, I just, I, I need to do this one more time. Just go with me on this. Okay. Bazam. All right. So the, the, first, the first passage we're going to read is part of his letter, Paul's letter to, to the church in Ephesus. And he says this. He says, for we are God's handiwork. For we are God's handiwork. And that's a great word. That's the word that we get the word poetry from, poem from. Some, some interpreters have said it's like masterpiece. That you and I are, are somehow God's work of art in this world. And if you've ever known anybody who's creative, if you've ever known anybody who's like an artist type, and you see that maybe you're this way and you've created something, and you've poured your heart into it, you've poured your best thinking, your best thoughts, because you want somehow this thing to be beautiful. You want somehow a, a message to come through, to make an impact. Paul says, that's what God did with you. Every single person right here, God said, oh, you're, you're my handiwork. That's what Paul is saying. Work of art. He goes on, he says, we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do, what, what's it say? Good works. 
And then he wraps up by saying, which God prepared in advance for us to do. A work of art created to do good works, to push back the darkness somehow in this world. And God's already lined it up. It's kind of like that, that company that I was, that I was you know, that I uh, interviewed for and did all that stuff. They just lined everything up for the summer. All you had to do was show up. They had everything planned out. Travel arrangements, all your needs were met. Everything was fine. Just show up. Paul's saying, look, God's got it mapped out. He's got some incredible work, some incredible plans for you and I to do that he wants to somehow express his heart, his goodness through in the world we live in. He created you for a reason. He wants to use you in this world. And so when I think about this life that you and I were meant to live, I think, I think Paul would say this, to live the life that you're meant to live, you need to do the things you're meant to do, right? To, to live the life that God has for you, to live the life that God has for me, I need to be about the good works that God has for me, that God has for you. Does that make sense? If we're going to experience that life, we need to get about doing what God wants us to do. And I think of that in general terms. First, just generally, if, if, we're, if we're Christ followers, for those of us who have put our faith in Christ, we should just be different, right? We should just look and sound and, and act different because we're kind, because somehow the love of Christ is working in us and through us. We should be nice to people. When they cut you off, when they don't let you merge, right? We should be kind. There should be something different about the way we speak to others. When people leave us, they should feel richer and more encouraged because of the time they spent with us. I think in general, kind of in broad, broad strokes, that's what it looks like to do good works if you're a Christ follower. And when we do, we're blessed. We benefit. Ben Franklin said, when I do bad, I feel bad. When I do good, I feel good. We, we, we are blessed when we bless others, when we serve others. Some of you are familiar with um, Ken Blanchard. He's like a business guru. And he wrote a book uh, called The Truths of Service. And he was talking about this idea that every single one of us can do good. No matter what your, what your station in life is, every single one of us can do good. And the book centers around the true story of a bag boy at a grocery store, uh, who, a Down syndrome boy, who attended a seminar with the rest of the people working, working at the grocery store. And it was all about customer service. And the managers brought this consultant in because they wanted her to talk to the employees about how to serve, about how to make a bigger impact with the customers because their, their marks were really, really low. People were coming, and they, they didn't feel, feel helped. They didn't feel served at all. And so this boy, Johnny, leaves the seminar, and he's discouraged because he, he's going, okay, what can I do, right? I'm just a bag boy. What can I do to serve anybody? I mean, I put their food in bags, and, and, and they go away. I do that. That's just my job. What can I do to, be, to make an impact? What can I do that's special, and a few weeks later, uh, Johnny's dad helped him kind of put an email together and send it to the, the consultant who came in. And he said this to her. He said, I figured it out. I figured out what I can do to make a difference. I figured out what I can do to make an impact on others. I love to come up with just good words, with good thoughts. I like to encourage people. I like to put a smile on their face. And so this is what my dad and I are doing. Every day, my dad helps me find, put some words together, he helps me print those out on little pieces of paper. And then throughout the day, I just put those in people's bags. 
when they go away. And they go out with a little more of a bounce in their step, a smile on their face. And she was blown away. Then she gets an email from, from one of the managers of the grocery store. He says, you won't believe what's happening. He goes, your seminar made a huge difference, but really just with one guy. And he's a bag boy. His name is Johnny. And he is putting like these little notes in these bags and people are walking out and they're encouraged. And they're, they're loving it. He goes, the other day, I'm in the store and I come to the front and all the lanes are empty except for Johnny's. And he said, he said, the people are backed up into the aisle. So I, I immediately, you know, call for more cashiers. Hey, we need to spread this out. We need to get people moving. I go to a woman in the line. And I say, look, we're opening some more. Please, you can go. I'll help you. Let's go this way. She goes, no, no, no. When I come here, I get in Johnny's line. I get in Johnny's line. She said, I even come here more now. Sometimes I'll just drop by and I'll buy something just because I want to get in line and hear what the thought of the day is from Johnny. I just want to get that piece of paper and read it. You see, you don't know, you don't know what you could do for somebody else. A simple word of encouragement, a simple thought, a simple gesture just to put others above yourself. For me to put others above myself, it makes a difference. The managers kind of got together and said, look, what's so strange is now it's not just happening with Johnny in whatever register he's working, bagging food. Now every department, every department has changed. And people are working in, in uh, the floral department and the produce. They're treating customers differently. Everything gets brighter. Everything gets better when you and I plug in and say, I want to be about doing good for others. Beyond just the general, there's a specific. God has created each one of us with a special shape. He's given us uh, spiritual gifts. If you're a Christ follower, uh, passions, abilities, experience that he wants to plug in, just, just, like, a, just like an instrument or a, a tool designed for a special purpose. God wants to use you and wants to use me in a special way for a special function to push back the darkness in, the, in this world. Maybe you've got a leadership gift uh, like Dr. Ray. God wants you to engage it. God wants you to use it. Maybe you've got like an artistic or musical gift like, like Ray Carano up here playing guitar, you know, or John or, or Kanan. God wants you to plug in and use it. Maybe you've got an administrative gift and you love, you love like, like order and details and all that. And um, man, I'll just pray for you if that's you. <laughs> no, please come and help me. I, I'm really the one who needs help. Like my, I think of my friend Angie. She comes and she helps uh, each, each week just kind of organize things for growth groups and other ministries. Maybe that's you. And that's just something that, that you're wired up that way. God wants you to use that. And if you don't, you miss out, and the world misses out on what God could do in and through you. Because if you're going to live the life that you're meant to live, you need to do the things you're meant to do. Paul shows up and says, look, you're God's work of art. You're God's masterpiece. And you were created for something other than surviving and existing. You were created to do something, Paul said, good to push back the darkness a little bit more in this world. And my question comes up again. If that's the case, if that's the, if that's the truth, is there a potential? Is there, is there a risk of somehow missing out on that? What's the response that God is looking for? Again, we look to letters of Paul. He's writing to the Roman church this time. And I think in this, in this brief passage, we get some clarity 
about the response God is looking for from each one of us. This is what he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 13. He says, don't surrender any part of yourselves to sin to be used for wicked purposes. Pretty clear. Paul, tell us how you really feel. He's like, stop sinning. Don't do it. Instead, give yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Paul is saying, look, offer yourselves up to God because you are living one way apart from God, spiritually dead. And then God sent Jesus who paid for your sin, for your wrong on the cross. And he was raised to life on Easter Sunday. And now because of your faith in him, now you have not just new life, not just life with God forever, right? Like, like everybody you know is going to live forever somewhere. He says it's not just about eternity. He says, no, no, no. You've been, you've been given a whole new kind of life. He says, so live like that. And here it is. He goes, surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteous purposes. You know what righteous purposes are? They're good works. Paul says, offer up everything you have spiritually, emotionally, physically, you know, just, just your mental energy, offer it up all to God for him to use for those righteous purposes, those good works that he wants to do. This, this, is, how, this is how I think of it. If, if to live the life that you and I are meant to live, we need to do the things that we were meant to do, those good works, then we need to say yes to God. It's just that simple. To, to do the things that we're meant to do, we need to say, yes, God, I offer it all up to you. I offer my whole being up to you is, is the way Paul, Paul phrased it. To surrender all that I am, God, to you, so that you could use me to do the good works that it says you planned way in advance, way in advance for me to do. We need to say yes to God. Yes in two primary ways. The first one is this, just to say, yes, uh, God, I agree with you about my sin. Paul talks a lot about sin, about this, this nature, about these, these habits, these activities that can, that can distance us, that can make us feel closed off and distant from God. So in the New Testament, we read that we can come to God when we blow it, that we can confess our sins and he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's what the apostle John said. And the word he used there for confess just means agree. Yes, God, that was dumb what I did. That was stupid. That's harmful. I know that's not good for me. Yes, you're right. And just agree with him and his promises that he'll forgive us and cover us and, and cleanse us and remove that, that sense of guilt. I think of my, my daughter, Kylie. Um, one time I was, <laughs> I was walking through the house. Yeah, yeah, birthday cake. I was, I was walking through the house. And I, I overheard Kylie talking to one of her friends, one of her little friends. And you guys, it was, it was awful. It was awful. I was so embarrassed. I heard her say a bad word. Whoa. You know, and I'm thinking, pastor's kid, you know. <laughs> I heard her say a bad, bad word. And so, and then, and then she looked up. And she, she noticed that I heard her say that word. You know what the word was? I'm not going to ask you to, like, shout out your guesses. This, <laughs> it's a family service. Yeah. This is, this is what she said. She said, it hurts, it pains me to say it. She said the word 
heck. <laughs> she said the word heck, and she felt so bad. Like she started crying when she noticed that I saw her and heard her saying that to her friend Kellen. She's like, what the heck, you know? And so, and then she sees me, she feels guilty, she feels bad, and then she avoids me, right? She just avoids me. I'm like, Kylie, what's the deal? You know, it, it, it's okay. That was kind of, a, you know, we don't like to really say that. There are probably other words you can say. You picked up from your brothers, I know, you know? So eventually, with tears in her eyes, she comes over to me. She's like, Daddy, I'm so sorry that I said the word heck. And I said heck because Kellen said heck. And I said it because he said it. And, you know, because they got to blame everybody. And, you know, and it's like, and I'm just so sorry. And I'm only saying heck now, but it's okay because I'm telling you that I said heck. And, you know, you know, she's five, right? That's what five-year-olds do. And so I put my arm around her and I kiss her. And I was like, oh, honey, it's okay. It's really okay. I think so many of us, I know in my own life, I've done the same thing with God. I say something dumb, I do something dumb, and I, I know that it's not what God has for me. I know it's not the best thing. And then what I do is I, I, I stay away. I'm a little more reluctant to talk to God. I'm a, little, I'm a little reluctant to kind of bring that to the table, as if he doesn't know what I did anyway, right? And you've done the same kind of stuff, you know? You, you act like God doesn't know. And the message of the Bible seems to be pretty clear, that God knows and God's offer is forgiveness. God's offer is removal of, of guilt. We just need to be honest about it with him. We just need to be honest about it with him. This is what I wrote. Uh, acknowledge your sin and cleanse your conscience. Get rid of that guilty conscience. God's promise is that he'll remove, he'll cleanse, he'll, he'll remove that guilt for us. And then we can see God more clearly to know what good works he wants for us. Uh, every now and then I'll, I'll be walking by our front window, I'll be outside and I'll go clean it because I'll get the Windex out and the, and the rag because the, the paper towel because it's just dirty, like it's just smudged up. And so many times I go to clean it and I realize, oh, like all the smudges and all the dirt and all, this, all the junk, all the dust, it's on the inside, right? Like this is, <laughs> this is I'm not doing anything. So I'll go inside and I'll clean it off. It's all the marks from our dog's nose that she presses up against the window when any, anytime somebody walks by the house, you know, from Kylie and all, of, all her little buddies and all their handprints and all that. It was on the inside. And once you get that cleaned up, once you wipe that dirty window down, you can see clearly. And when we come to God and say, God, yes, I agree, that was, that was bad. And I, I'm, I'm a little ashamed, but I, I, you know, would you just forgive me, clean me up? God wipes the window clean, and we have a better view of what he's asking us to do, of what good works he might have for us to do. Here's a, here's a question just for us this morning. Is there anything I've done or I'm doing that is hindering my relationship with God that's maybe muddying the view? If there is, just say, yes, God, I agree. I agree with you. This is not good, and I need your, your forgiveness. I need you to kind of wipe the window clean to do the things uh, that we need to do, we need to say yes to God. Yes, I agree with you about my sin. And secondly, yes, I'm available. Yes, I'm available for whatever's next. We need to open up your schedule and make yourself available to God. To say, God, my calendar, my planner, everything on my iPhone, it's all yours. It's all yours. My time belongs to you. And just say, yes, it's wide open for you to use me today, this week, this month, this year.
and watch what God does. Uh, when, I was in, uh, when I was in college, I sang in the First Baptist College Choir. And Tanner Riley, who was our college uh, choir director, had this huge banner across the back of the practice room. And it said, God cares more about your availability than he does your ability. God cares more about your availability than he does your ability. And I remember thinking, that's good because we sound awful. <laughs> but at least we're here, right? Yeah. But I learned an important lesson that in God's economy, that in God's economy, availability always equals usability. That in God's economy, just being open and being available for God to use, that always equals usability in God's hands. And when you think back uh, to the characters, the figures uh, in, historically in the Bible, they weren't always the brightest, the smartest, the most gifted, the fastest, the strongest, but they were people who went through their days with this incredible knack, this incredible habit of just saying yes to God. For whatever's next, whatever the next thing is, okay, I'm in. Whatever's next. You think about Moses. I mean, he's a murderer, right? But he has this incredible habit of just saying, okay, God, I'll follow you, whatever's, whatever's next. David, you know, whatever's next. Esther saves the entire Jewish people. Just whatever's next, yes, God, attitude. Mary, mother of our Savior. Just yes, God, whatever. Paul spreads the good news about Christ over the known world, most of the known world in the first century. Just this attitude of, of yes. In God's hands, availability equals usability. If we're going to be about the good works that God has for us. And I know some of us, you're saying, you don't know, I mean, I'm so busy. You don't know my schedule. You don't know I mean, the, the kids, the, the sports, all this stuff. I, I know that world. You, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how just, I feel like I need some, I need to clean up a little bit. I need to get more prepared. You know, what's interesting to me is I really believe that you and I are prepared, perfectly prepared for whatever God has for us today already. You and I are perfectly prepared for whatever good works God has for us today already. When you think about some of those people like Moses, he didn't know he was being prepared to lead the nation to the promised land when he was like herding sheep in the desert for 40 years, but he was. David didn't know that he was being prepared to be king one day when he was a little shepherd boy, but he was. Mary, the mother of Christ, she didn't know that being raised in an Orthodox a Jewish home, just learning about the power of God and that he was trustworthy and that she could put her faith in him. She didn't know that she's being prepared so that when God tapped her on the shoulder, that she could just say, yes, as it pleases you, God. Paul didn't know that when he was being trained under the, the best, most astute rabbi of his day, that one day God would use him to be this prolific writer, this incredible theologian that would spread the good news of God's Savior, Jesus Christ. But he was. You've got a history that God will use today. You've got a history. You've got experiences. You've got a life that God has used in preparation for something today. But if you're not careful, you'll do what I did with that job, and you'll say, no thanks, because I've got this. No thanks. I'm just really, I, I don't think you could use me. And God is just looking for somebody to say, yes, I'm available. 
yes, I'm wide open for whatever you want to do, God, in my life. And when we do, things change. The, the question I have is, am I willing to invest my time and resources? Am I willing to just be wide open and, and just kind of figure out and get about doing the things that God has for me to do? And so my, my question is this. What if we were the kind of people who left here today and we just said, you know what, if, if the window's a little dirty, uh, God, I want to agree with you. I want to say yes to you <laughs> that, that this part of my life, this relationship, this job, this, this decision, the way I've been making my decisions, it's not pleasing to you. I just, I want to come clean about that and clear the air. What if we left today going, God, my, you know, from this point on, my schedule is wide open for you. And here, here's my hunch, my assumption. It's always danger, dangerous to assume, I know. But I think most people, I know it's true in my life, most people, most of the time, we know, we know the right thing to do. We know what God wants us to do. If we were to get spiritual and theological, we know what God wants us to do. But so many times we excuse it away. But what if we were different? What if we left and lived differently and just said, God, yes. Yes, I am wide open, and I'll follow through. We would live lives of more joy. We'd live lives that are better than the good life, that have more impact, that make a difference, that, like Johnny, lift others up and change the culture of our classroom, of our house, of our family, of our office, of our neighborhood, because we'd be doing the good works that Paul talked about, and we'd be living the life that we were meant to live. But it just starts with saying, yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for giving us an opportunity just to, just to partner with you and just to say, uh, just to say yes to you. Uh, Father, thank you that before uh, the world began, before any of us came into an existence, you, you had good works for us to do in our homes and in our communities, uh, through their church family. And it all comes from knowing you. And maybe you're here this morning and uh, you haven't made that transition from what Paul said was like death to life. You've never put your faith in Christ to, to wipe the slate clean kind of once and for all, to give you the gift of, of eternity with, with him, to not fear death anymore to live a life that's empowered by God now instead of just trying to survive, but a life of joy and a life of good works. And if that's you and you want to make that step, just pray something like this in your, in your own heart. Uh, God, I, I want to say yes to you, to your offer of forgiveness through Jesus. I want to say yes to you to be my Lord and leader and forgiver today. And I just put my faith in you I don't understand it all, but I'll take that step. I put my faith in you. If you would just save me and forgive me and lead me from this day forward. And for the rest of us, maybe you need to say something like this. God, I've been hiding from you. I've been hiding this habit. I've been trying to hide this from you. And I just want to come clean this morning and say, yes, I agree. This is not good for me. This doesn't honor you. Thank you for forgiving me. And can you say, 
God, from this point on, I just want to say, yes, my schedule is wide open. Yes, God, I am available for you this morning for whatever good works you have for me, and I trust that you'll, you'll make them clear. God, I'm so thankful for uh, your goodness to us, that you didn't leave us here alone just to kind of work it out on our own, but that you planned things for us to be about. Thank you for the life that you've purposed for us, the life we were meant to live. Help us live it. In Jesus' name, amen.